gentlemen welcome back to the woody allen retrospective right here on planettyro.com i'm your host as always donald wonder and i'm joined by the wonderful the magnificent arsehole of the millennia simon red it just keeps on growing just uh, getting a bigger and bigger asshole apparently yes, the assholes get bigger <laughs> <laughs> guys if you were here last time we got the hot scoop on the Woody Allen movie, 2006 is Scoop, Scarlett Johansson, Hugh Jackman. And apparently we got some really shitty puns too. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for your contribution. That was really good. Yeah, it was. Guys, if you're watching this on YouTube, I'll put a link in the top right-hand corner to check out that previous discussion. Do not forget, I always remind you guys that we've been doing the Woody Allen retrospective covering all of these movies. God damn, how many of you... We're in like... This is episode 45, I believe. 45 Woody Allen reviews, guys. Go all the way back to the 70s. It's been a hard one, guys. It's been fun. So if you've been listening all the while, following us along, we really appreciate you guys listening. YouTube podcast, thank you very much. So we've got the website, WoodyAllenRetro.com. You go there, it'll be a simple way just to see everything we've done before. Moving forward, we like to always remind you guys that these are spoiler discussions. We would prefer if you go and watch the movies before you listen to us talk about it because we do ruin it. But a lot of you guys just like listening to us talk about the movie in general whether you're Woody Allen fans or just casuals like us we're just going to talk about it forget about you Woody Allen snobs that hate the way me and Simon talk about it let me just say it's for the record fuck you guys we're having fun so moving forward we're going to talk about the next movie and as always I get my buddy Simon there to give us a synopsis and then we're going to get right into it so uh, what's up for our discussion today buddy yeah let's get this over with shall we so the year's 2007 and we're still in the crime phase this is another version of a Woody Allen type crime movie in his own style again shot in Europe and it's called Cassandra's Dream which is the film's name and also a boat's name in the film so you can see the parallels here this is going to be one of those symbolic ones but actually it opens up very down to earth with two brothers Ian and Terry set in good old London played by Hugh McGregor who's Ian and Colin Farrell who's Terry and actually kudos to them because a They've been really big at this point in time, 2007. Mm -hmm. So them taking a cut to be in this movie shows dedication. B. You keep saying that, but let me. You said this on the last video. Woody Allen is royalty. I mean, these motherfuckers. Of course, they'll cut. Just, just get well, straight. he's royalty without money, though. <laughs> you know, it's like let's be honest. I mean, most of the time he works with actors who are up and coming. So it's always refreshing to see. It is, but I like to think a lot of these actors have it on their bucket list. I know not all. I know people, a lot of actors are against Woody Allen, but some yeah, of them are like, I need to yeah, Woody Allen I, before yeah, I die. True, true. And I'm going to get into that, that it must have been shocking for the few people in America who actually watched this movie to hear these guys without American accents. Mm. I mean, there's still kudos to them because... Ewan McGregor is Scottish and Colin Farrell is uh, Irish, Irish, right? Yeah. So them playing two Londoners from, you know, the east side of town doing like a version of a Cockney accent. Which people hated, by the way. The British hated, specifically. <laughs> of course they do. You know that. You mean the English. Well, they hate everything. Sure. So they hate everything except tea and biscuits. So their <laughs> opinion isn't really considered in this one. <laughs> but kudos to the two actors. Again, 
starting up with very strong performances. And basically, kudos to Woody as well. Because what he paints with this movie is a picture of two very every Joe type of guys. The average Joe, the everyday schlob. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. They live with their parents in typical English fashion. They're not that well off. They have ambitions. And the big thing in their life at this point is they buy this boat, Cassandra's dream. Because when they were kids, they had fond memories of it. And it's sort of a, a, a life goal they were able to just barely achieve. It's a small boat, but they have a really good time. They take out their partners at the time, the girls that they're seeing girl from the restaurant you and mcgregor works at which is a family venture and he kind of hates it but he helps his dad and the long-term relationship with terry played by colin farrell uh whose name is i believe uh jerry terry and jerry okay and she's played by the actress uh whose name is kate played by sally hawkins who is going to become a pseudo regular for woody uh, she's going to be back in a few movies down the road recently. She's in the Godzilla movies by Warner Brothers. Mm. So she's still around. Definitely a, a, a good uh, supporting performance. But essentially, we see them be really, really happy. And we get a, a good sense that they're deep down good people. They have a good relationship with each other. But in the following scene, we already see that they have a dysfunctional family dynamic. Their uncle is very rich and... Their mother is very supportive, but keeps bringing it up like he's the shining star of the family. And their dad feels a bit beat down by it. You know, he he's jealous of the wrong coin. He's kind of a cranky old man. And basically, both kids are in a... They're stuck. They're stuck in life. They don't know where, where to go. And you ask yourself, okay, this sounds like a, a lifetime, you know, uh, drama from Woody. Where does the crime element come in? And it comes in with a twist. See... Ewan McGregor's character has a shot at a good business deal linked to hotels and he's very ambitious about it and he would like to get the money for it while Colin Farrell's character has a <laughs> string of luck he's sort of a gambler he plays poker he bets on dogs at the races and he's and trying that to poker, move... that poker table too <laughs> at the po yeah poker table too and he's trying to move together with, with his girlfriend they buy a house and what I really love about this is that he manages to paint two schmucks who do dumb things and are kind of assholes but mm -hmm. still like because you really know where you, they're coming from yeah so maybe it's just the past 10 years people became even bigger assholes but it's hard to find two likable real and i like to emphasize realistic characters nowadays because they would just be total schmucks and you would have no sympathy for them because i'm like you fucked yourself you know this is all your fault but here you really see where they're coming from very quick it's established very quick in the movie and of course things don't turn out the way they want to things go bad and you and mcgregor's character gets an extra set of pressure by uh, i think you were joking about how uh, this movie features not only obi-wan kenobi but also agent carter yeah Haley atwell oh he's he's gorgeous by the way very gorgeous woman yeah, absolutely. I know you prefer more meat on your woman. I know, I know, guys. We're getting very superficial, but hey, she, she, she's, she's very. She has a, a very sexy charm in this movie, which is at this point another talent for Woody. She is very mysterious and engaging, and I think Woody at this point in time has a talent on how to paint female characters like that, kind of intriguing, engaging, has a sense of mystery. She's also. A, a bit damseling, not in like a damsel in distress, but also like, like self-destructive, mm. similar to Scarlett Johansson's character in Matchpoint. Where but she's three-dimensional. I'll talk about her more, but I actually, I like the dimensions towards her, but I'll let you finish, you know. 
No, we're we're almost done. So basically, she's an actress. She's a bit of a mess, but at the same time, she's way above you McGregor's league. So even though she's messy in her private life and what she wants to do with her career and how she's gonna progress, where she's at, the the company she's keeping, her being an actress and a socialite and talk and just the conversations she's had she's having and the ambitions and life goals it's like a breath of fresh air for you and mcgregor's character it's like when they meet you and mcgregor is actually borrowing a car uh, using a, his brother as a connection to borrow other people's cars who put put their cars in for repair i like that i like that a lot that uh, yeah at the fun. car shop colin yeah. farrell works at so he's already living a scam living a lie yeah then he meets this actress falls madly in love with the idea of being with an actress of being with somebody like her driving a car like that so he almost falls in love with his own personal fantasy of a better life which i can't blame him for at all and then when things turn sour it's pretty evident that the only shot they have of really getting back on their feet and maybe try to take control of their lives and And taking their dreams yes taking this one final shot is uh uh, what was it called? Uncle Howard, yeah. I believe. Yeah, yeah. played by, by Tom, Tom Wilkinson. Wilkinson. Yeah, who's again? He was in Batman Begins a few years prior to this film. So great to see him in this one. He's a terrific actor. He's, He's a very fantastic well actor. He's got, uh, got actually probably the best scene in the movie, which I'll get to later. Oh yeah. And uh, at this point, if if you know Woody Allen, you're kind of you, you know I wouldn't say paranoid, but Uncle Howard is suspect. You know, you know Woody Allen's gonna pull something. It wasn't to me, you know. When the film, he wasn't really? to me. No. It was a surprise to you that because he I, was I, off camera, they were just talking about him a lot. And then when they meet, you know. But to be honest with you, the way they spoke so highly of him, just if Woody said this in the real world, I thought to myself, no one could really be that well off without some underbelly, some dark underbelly. So when that did come up, I was like, yeah, it's just that I would believe anyone in that in in his kind of game, his kind of employ that's what I liked about the plot as well the situation that he was in it was like it makes sense for what he's doing so I was like oh it's not that he's shy it's just that I hear about people like you all the fucking time you see movies like it hundreds of times but in real life you hear about all these scams and company uh, with the WikiLeaks stuff all this kind of stuff you heard it before so I thought it was pretty good and it it was believable and it made sense in this context so but when I saw him when I heard of him I didn't initially think oh this guy there's something with this guy I wasn't even sure if he was even going to be part of the plot watching the movie because mm. he doesn't come in for about half an hour and then when he does yeah. it's like okay made the movie more interesting uh, absolutely to, to me it was suspect just because the way Woody does things and I'm like sure. I was wondering okay is Uncle Howard uh, a, a fraud as well because that seems to be the theme of the family sure. everybody's a very nice person but yeah. they don't really quite have their 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 shit together so to speak That's and right. also it, it's a they mention Greek tragedies and it's a classic contrast that their dad who's the working class you know underachiever he's the only honest character so that's like his uh i guess positive attribute in contrast to everybody else yeah who's not honest with themselves not honest with who they are and it tries to live up to some sort of some sort of pipe dream and when uncle howard enters that's when you realize that this is woody allen making a hitchcock movie with a yeah. traditional hitchcock setup that two guys are in a sticky situation they have one lifeline thrown at them and the price is high the price is murder and that's how they can get out of this trouble they find themselves in and after that it's all about the performances and the suspense you know the two actors bring it 
And Woody Allen, again, I read an interesting bit of trivia that this is his first movie since everything you always want to know about sex, but we're afraid to ask, that has an original score. So that score that they have for this film sets the tone perfectly. And then it becomes a crime movie with very human characters who are in this conundrum. And it's like, should we do it? Can we do it? And Woody's writing is quite beautiful. And I know it sounds cheesy, but I really enjoyed the fact that they go through several phases and it keeps the realism of first they're very much against it. Then they're trying to justify it. They're trying to paint this guy who they're supposed to kill like, oh, why does he want to hurt Uncle Howard? We don't know this guy. He's probably just some, just, just, just some asshole causing trouble for himself. Yeah, he brought this on himself. He shouldn't testify. And it's like, well, this is the way of the world. You know, if we were soldiers, we would get paid to do this. It would be an expectation for a bunch of corrupt politicians. So I thought their thought process was very interesting and very realistic. And you can see kind of yourself go through that if you would be put in a position and you would try to justify something you know that was wrong inherently. Okay, well, let me jump here in here and say this. Now, the one thing that always stuck to me, out to me about this movie, because I hadn't seen this movie in a long time, over 10 years, was that the ending. I always remember the very end, and it always bothered me. And this movie, when people talk about this movie, generally the reviews are like, man, this is just a lesser version of Match Point, and Woody Allen dropped the ball. <laughs> and let me say this, I like this movie. It's a good movie, definitely one of the better ones in this decade, without a doubt. But let me ask you, because I'm going to go on the... I want to start with the negatives. I want to end on the positives. Let me start with the negatives. And let me start by asking you a question, even though you did most of the talking right now. But I want to ask you a question. Why does this movie not match up to Match Point? I mean, it's got the same themes, but it's obvious. We spoke about this off mic that it doesn't quite reach that pinnacle of Match Point. Actually, you know what? Let me start because you spoke it. You did a lot of talking. <laughs> okay, let me give you a break. Let me give you a you're break. just having a conversation with yourself. I know. Now. I know. But I yeah, know. <laughs> you, you keep going. I've got to remember conversations have to go back and forth, and I've let you speak for so long. So, guys, I know it sounds like I'm scattering, but let me talk a little bit. So, here's my thing with the movie. Again, I like the movie. The first thing that kind of threw me, I know I might be being picky here. The chemistry, the acting's good, but these two, and a lot of people say this as well. Brothers, these two do not seem like brothers. They had the same haircut, though. Come <laughs> they look very different. Their chemistry is kind of... They're good acting those roles. To be honest with you, and I kind of agree, everyone, you would think that the actors playing those roles would be reversed because Colin Farrell is more... Obviously, in more of the movies, he's more the aggressive one, and he's more of... He's the one you would you would think he's a less forgiving one, but in this movie, he's playing the one with the conscious, with the conscious quibble. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, that's yeah. surprising. Yeah, you, you and McGregor is, is kind of the rational, but colder one. Yeah. Where Colin Farrell is the more simple-minded, but emotional one. And to be honest with you, I like that as actors, they're playing against type because if they reverse the roles, then it's too easy for them because they, Ian McGregor usually plays the nicer roles and, you know, Colin Farrell usually plays the more gritty roles. So, but to be honest with you, I just wish they actually played those roles because I found <laughs> I, I found what? Colin Farrell to be a fucking crybaby. It didn't. It looked a bit forced. His little but, but, episodes. I just it didn't really suit him that well. It, I don't think I didn't believe him that much. It seemed like he was. It just came on a bit too fakeish for me. Oh, God, sleep. But, but he's a bit like that in real life, though. And uh, I I agree with you. In the beginning of the movie, when he's like a little kid and he's like, oh yeah, this is gonna be really good for us. I love this boat. I was like, this is really different for him. But after a while, that's why I appreciate it. I think for a lot of actors who only work with Woody a couple of times, 
this is really like their alternative movie. Sure. So something that's really different and is like a really different piece of their filmography. You know, I, I agree with you, but I just think kind of, kind of like that. Uh, you know, one one time you dated a you know that uh alternative girl in college. You know, that's a, <laughs> that's basically the Woody Allen movie and their filmography, the punk chick. I agree with you. And as actors, I understand that choice, but I I have no doubt if they were the opposite, it would have been they just would have gave stronger performances if they fit the roles. Now as for Ewan McGregor. I love seeing him being colder and more rational. But here's another problem I had. I just felt that with Match Point, with that main character, Miss Wise character, he was a lot more nuanced. Where these two were too black and white for me, that Ian McGregor, he was just the skeptical one. I just wanted to see a little bit of both. I like to see the dark and the light. And with it was just one was light, one was dark. And in the beginning, Colin Fowle was the gambler. He was the one you were suspecting to be because... And he had the most to fucking lose. They were probably going to kill him. He owed 90 grand over his shit. That's what kind of bothered me about the movie. I'm like, dude, yeah? I understand why you're having the moral quabble. That isn't my problem. Like, yeah, Kinnan's wrong. You're having a problem with it. But you're the one most likely to die if you do not do this shit. So, and he kept on saying... There was not a point where he was like, you know what, man? You're right, man. I got to do this because I might die. Nope. He never. All he kept on saying was that this is wrong. This is wrong. He said God's Lord. and I was just like, you're not even mentioning that you can die, that your girl could die. Your, why is your brother telling you that you old ninety grand motherfucker? Like you know, you need to be on this shit. And he just, and I guess that paints him as really out of touch because all he kept on thinking was the moral, the religious implication. And I was just like, motherfucker, you don't even go to church. Where's this shit coming from? He was having a breakdown. He was having he was. a breakdown. But this was before, during, and after. That was another thing. It was before, even before they did it, he was losing his shit. And afterwards, he went off the edge. My point with the movie, and the reason why I don't think it reaches the level of match point, what I'm trying to say is match point, it seems a lot more natural. This movie seems a lot more state. This movie seems like a stage play. Really? Especially where they're acting. And that's fine. It's 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 completely serviceable, but they're narrating a lot how they're feeling. They're just like, Woody Allen is spouting that constant, what's God got to do with it? And they, you know, they say it out loud so much. Hayley Atwell, in this movie, she's um, an actress and they go to her plays a lot. And the thing she's doing in their play, what she's doing, this two-woman stage play she does like three times in the movie, them doing that, because the two brothers are doing through the whole movie. And I was just like, is this some kind of funny contrast? Because she's playing a role in the play and these guys are doing the same thing. But to me, but it's, it's all irony, isn't it? I guess, but it seems what they were doing seemed it didn't. It just wasn't subtle. That was my point. It just it, this was a little bit obvious. Where in match point, if it was so natural and so realistic and just so you know immersive, this one as I was watching two brothers just go back and forth and spouting all the Woody Allen's you know thing about religion, I was like, I like it, but eh. And the one person that came in, and here's one person that came in stark contrast who just. When he spoke, and the best scene in the movie, it was their uncle. When their uncle came and told them what was going on, that scene in the rain when they're under the tree, and they confront him, his acting, he was mad. Because he was like, guys, we should do this. And then the, the, the brother, obviously, Colin Farrell was like, uh, and the uncle's like, what the fuck? You judging me with this shit? You know, like, and he was telling them, that was the acting that I like, because he was on it. His other brother was quiet. The moral. I, 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 I think, I think, uh, you, you probably have a relative that Colin Farrell reminds you of and you're projecting some personal frustrations like, why are you so stupid? You know what's at stake. You yeah. made this. You yeah. did this to yourself. You yeah. have Mikey. You never grew up. You never grew up, Mikey. No, you're right. I would admit I was frustrated by his character, which you're meant to be, obviously. That's the way he was written. But honestly, the, the reason why I just 
don't love this movie. It's just because it just feels a lot more obvious what's going on. It just feels a lot more staged. And, you know, but what I love about the movie, that's my negatives. That's all my negatives, by the way. What I love about the movie is it's very down to earth. Like, when this movie starts, again, just like Match Point, you would never fit this with Woody Allen movie. It just seems this is such a British movie. And I love it. He's gone even deeper in the British culture. If I put this movie onto anyone, you would never think this is a Woody Allen movie at all. It's just because the mother and father, and like you said, they're all so lowbrow. I love who the characters are. I love what they're doing. And I have nothing wrong with the script at all, except for, okay, my bad. I do have one last negative, which is the very, 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 very end, man, which I'm like, oh, Woody, man. So let's fast forward to the end because I just want to get this out of the way and then I'll let you say your piece on how I'm okay. wrong, as you always fine. do. So... At the very end, which everything leading up to the end is fine. I love how it all unravels. I love how Common Farrell is just gonna he's gonna give up and his brother, again, perfect with the Allen, his brother has to come to grips with he has to kill his own brother. And I was like, I buy it, I believe that, all that shit that's fine. So we're not on the boat. The brother decides to poison him again, that's great. You're like, yeah, get rid of that that beat. You're better than this. Yeah, do whoa, it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This, this, yeah. I'm, 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 <laughs> You're like rooting for you, McGregor's character. Like, yeah, he's in your way. Well, he's here's weak. The thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow your train of thought because there's two ways to end this, which I would have preferred. But to be honest with you, let's follow your train of thought. What you think I'm gonna say? If he went down the route where he killed his brother, he got away with it. And it was, it's too much like match point. The good, you know, perfect crime gets away with it. But obviously, the ending would be that he killed his brother. And yes, it's like. I wouldn't have liked the ending. I would not have. I would have thought he just done what he did in the match point again. So no, what I did not like about this ending, what really pissed me off, is that Woody tried to throw a little double twist where, right when his, his brother's putting the drugs in the drill and he smashes it into, oh, why did you make me do this? Everything off that point, that like, first of all, him deciding not to kill his brother, I don't have a problem with that. Because again, Woody's trying to show that this guy's not all evil. He couldn't kill his own brother. That's fine. But then the thing that annoys me is that Woody thinks he's so clever and thought, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get his brother to kill him by accident. Ha <laughs> ha, irony. I'm like, what? He falls him down the stairs. Like, he's like, oh, oh, I killed my brother. Then the police come on the riverside. Can you believe it? It looks like a murder-suicide. He attacked his brother and he killed himself. I'm like, really, Woody? I'm like, really? I mean, the problem, the, the thing that bothers me is a killing by accident. Because Woody's meant to give it... That's what gives us this whole Shakespearean irony. But here's the thing, man. He could have done the same thing and it would have been a hundred times more effective if he poisoned his brother and then had the exact same reaction. If he gave his brother the drink, realised that he killed his brother and then they got into a fight and then his brother killed him and then the brother killed himself, it would have been a whole lot better. Why? Because he did kill his brother and then the irony that his brother killed him and then his brother killed... They both killed each other. But the way this happens... Is when he tries to shock you where it was an accident. His brother, who's so guilty after killing the guy, he caught his brother by accident too. Irony, uh, get it? Irony. What the fuck? Really? Was well, he? you know, there's a, there's a lot of symbolism. We even talked about it. It's a bit like Cain and Abel, which is uh, ties back into uh, Colin Farrell's character bring up religion. Come on. You have to admit, when he just threw him and down the says he hits, you were like... Uh, like well, I, I was surprised. And I appreciated that, that I thought okay, I kind of knew at that point where the movie was kind of heading, and then Ewan McGregor's character had a change of thought, which was a big character moment for sure. him, and Agreed. then the tragedy happens. I think that's kind of like, um, uh, you know, like you said, it's supposed to be tragic. It's supposed to be like, they're in this situation, I feel like they finally figured it out, even though it's the hard decision to make to kind of give up and say, okay, we messed up. 
but Ewan McGregor's like, I can't do it. And then he just he just spazzes out because he's like, you know, he realizes it's the end of the line. So he just lets all his frustration out, just starts grabbing his brother and yelling at him. And you think, okay, once the argument ends, they can pay their dues, uh, do their time, and maybe move on. But instead, tragedy ensues, and he gets killed by accident. And then that's Colin Farrell's character's ultimate breakdown. He just can't go on anymore with guilt. So... It's like a split second changed everything. They could have made it out, but instead both of them died that day. Which is, uh, you know, again, one of the running themes. Like, it can happen to you like that. That's what their victim said earlier in the film. And it's sort of the, I guess, an underlining theme. But to to get back to your point, what you said about why is this... And I appreciate you didn't like the ending. It's fine. I I appreciated the twist. For me, it it worked that it was a different type of tragedy and you may not... That I couldn't see it coming immediately. So that was good to me. But I I see where you're coming from, that it's not as good as Match Point. It feels like a lesser version of a similar story. But to me, it was different. And I, I didn't have to compare it to Matchpoint in my head because let me use this comparison. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know how Steve Soderbergh, great director, very much an actor's director. He does a couple of heist films. And he did Ocean's Eleven. And then more recently, he did Logan Lucky. Yeah. And, you know, most people would say, oh, Ocean's Eleven is a, is a better movie. It is the superior film because it has all the style and the swab and the soundtrack and the cast. And, and you know, both of them are... Great heist films, great performances, nice twist at the end, but um, most people would prefer Ocean's Eleven. And I think that's just the way the movie's framed and the story is told. Because Matchpoint, like you said, is told in a very elegant fashion. The main character is very likable in his journey from Rax to hopefully Riches and his ambitions. And Scarlett Johansson is like you know so incredibly enticing and memorable and and just such a great shining star in that picture and i'm trying to avoid sounding freaking cheesy but you know what i mean it's a completely different frame of mind for the director and you as the audience can probably feel more pulled in by that world you want to inhabit that world better because the setting is nicer what i appreciate about this film that it goes directly up against it. These guys are schmucks. Mm. So that they're likable and they're very real. And that's one of the strongest points of the film that you actually know where they're coming from. So the law of dialogue you talked about wasn't bothering me because I'm like, fi- I finally get a chance to spend some time with some characters like this that are written well. And, you know, Colin Farrell, I was surprised they're not more religious because they come from that family background, you know, of, you know, I guess working class English people, especially sure. like, you know, in East, like Cockney. So um, him at some point going back and think about, you know, what if there is a God? What are we doing? You know, what what could this mean? Because he's just panicking and having this meltdown. And Ewan McGregor has to be the more rational one confronting him about it and try to bring his mindset back to a more rational space. I thought all, all that was good. And just like, you know, Logan Lucky is set, is a heist film, but it's set in, you know, uh, rural America. I, I forgot where it was. It's somewhere in middle America. Hmm. And again, it's not suave, elegant people doing a sexy heist in Vegas. It's more about the down-to-earth, working-class dad. Yeah, 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 a little bit, bit. But it has its own charm. And I think for those people who identify with that, the, those films are just as strong. But for us, you know, one is 
closer to home or closer to a fantasy or something that's more appealing to us where the other one is more of an outside view and then if your only personal kind of connection with it is that oh yeah i have a fuck up brother like that why is he always fuck things up for me you know if if that's all you get of course colin farrell's character is going to frustrate you sure I don't have that kind of baggage because I'm an only child. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <Fuck> you. <laughs> that's how you get away with murder. But um, <laughs> anyway, so so to me, that was just interesting. So, yeah. Well, let me let me let me be clear, because I just want to say this. Yeah. I don't have a problem with the script at all. My main problem for on a whole is execution. That's all. And especially the ending. They if they they them both dying is a good ending. It's the way he executed it is what I didn't like at the end. Them, the way they acted about it was good as well, but the execution, it's just execution. That's my main problem, and it's still a good movie. I still like the movie. It's just the execution of match point, which again, if you really strip it down, is a very basic story. A very basic story. Sure. How a man tries to get everything he wants, winds up in a situation, goes to infidelity, does something heinous. This is this is even a more of a relatable classic story. These are two dreamers that just want a better life for themselves and have to do something heinous to reach their goals. And afterwards, they have the moral dilemma. To be honest with you, in some ways, this could have been a better movie than Matchpoint. In 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 the basic... I think there's a lot more stories that are based on people doing heinous things to reach their dreams rather than infidelity stories. Yeah, but one is closer to home for Woody, so his execution is more interesting at Matchpoint. Sure. We're here, You're he's going... You're saying that, by the way. That's fucked up, Simon. Well, that, that is the, <laughs> it's the freaking truth, you know? And... <laughs> And I think if you're watching it, you, you feel it and you you can get involved in the picture better. Where here, this movie has a completely different goal because here he's sure. going up against type. Yeah. So the whole idea is that let me go in the other direction and explore different type of people who end up with the, a similar moral conundrum but in a very different situation. So if, if you would have had, I guess, a writer and a director – who comes from places like this, like sort of uh, Guy Ritchie's filmography in the early days, you would have had a very different type of movie because they know they see this world through different eyes, especially if they grew up in it. So the way they tell the story is in this world is completely different as well. I mean, think cool. about one of Hugh McGregor's best movies of what brought attention to him and. In the beginning was train spotting set in Scotland. Yeah, you know, that's a Scottish production. Those are Scottish characters, and that paints a very definitive picture of uh, I guess small towns in Scotland and what people and young people at that time were going through. It's a sort of a period piece in its own right. Yeah. And a, a cult movie. This movie is none of that. You know, it's sure. not trying to be a cult classic or a period piece or any have any commentary about the UK at all it's no. just about the moral of the situation but it's a very good british film it's a very good and you know scarlett johansson was an american actor with a british cast this is all british for the i know irish and i know i'm just saying that this is all english british uk whatever you want to call it this is pure greatness and this was the end of the woody allen english trilogy <laughs> the three movies he did set in london <laughs> the uk this, trilogy the uk yeah. trilogy you know this was the end of that and let me let me back away from the plot and say this the cinematography i thought was fine it was more of the same from scoop it was you know london ain't the most beautiful city unless you're with the socialites like he was in match point so this time it was nice you know he kept it out of the rain which i know is something you, you that mean you both disagree with except for just like with match point he likes to put his pivotal roles in the rain like in this movie the only rain scene was when his uncle told him the deal and what they need to do so that yeah, was the it, rain scene just like <laughs> yeah the, the dark scene. clouds were coming literally when when the 
the tone of the conversation shifted. But Woody Allen doesn't seem to understand that it rains all the fucking time in London. So we should stop yeah. trying to make it look like it's anything but rain over here. <laughs> to, to me, it was crazy how, how he can even, you know, how he managed to sh- shoot the movie in so much sunshine. I'm like, yeah. you literally shot on every sunny day of the year. How did you keep your schedule? Well, I know how he kept it because he was here for a whole year. He was here for the three years. That's what I mean. He was here for three years. He must have shot <laughs> I wonder how long it took him to shoot this to, uh, to shoot this movie. I know he probably shot it within his normal time frame, but honestly, guys, the weather is so shit out here. And obviously, if you guys don't know this, you must know we're Londoners. We do this podcast in London, so talking about these three movies in particular has been pretty amusing for us because you know Woody Allen's done all of his movies in America, and now he started his globe trotting phase, especially in Europe. Or let's go to the European tour, just like that bloody uh, documentary. <laughs> musical documentary we did i wonder if he had to go to paris every morning just to remind himself that he's in europe and that he could come back to london and start filming oh yeah he's got a touchdown remember he's got to feel the land before he comes in or some shit out guys go back and check out old man's blues but anyway let's let's wrap this one up because again i like this movie just hate for the work it's a very good movie but here's the problem with the movie this is a problem with the movie after he did match point he did scoop again the majority of people were just like oh you know, that was such a good movie. Now we're getting to some more romantic, like, comedy, Woody. And then they get to this movie, which people like, generally thought, wow, Woody. And then, you know, the audience said, in general, Woody, just don't make comedies. We love your <laughs> dramatic, just stop. The comic consensus was that, Woody, you are a much better dramatic director. You say you love dramas anyway. You know, people were just like, just stop with the comedy at this point. And he was like, you've been asking me to do more comedies for 10 years. Now yeah. you're asking me to do more dramas. Make up your mind. And then what does he do? He doesn't listen. Because we're going to get a string of, well, he never goes back to the, uh, aloof, silly, slapstick comedy. But, you know, we're going to see a string of whatever. But the funny thing is, all of his major memorable releases after this are always the more dramatic thing pieces. Like we're going to get to Blue Jasmine and Midnight in Paris and all that. I was, it's like... People want the more serious, thought-provoking, deep-thinking Woody. This is another good movie because he's better at this kind of thing, which he himself admits. So, again, we're going to get into more a lot of light and fluffy movies, romantic movies, and those ones don't hit. People want Woody to stick to this kind of storytelling. And unfortunately, to this date, here's a spoiler. This is the... Well, I might be wrong because there's a couple of movies I haven't seen of Woody's in the, in the notes that we'll get to. But this is the last crime movie he's done in a long time. And there's such all of his crime movies are critical hits. People love them. Crimes and misdemeanors. Well, except for Curse of the Jada Scorpion. Well, that's that's a comedy. That's more comedy than crime. Come on. Uh, it's a detective story in my eyes. It is, but it's a light. Come on, it's a it's it's the smooth noir. Whatever you want to call it, I completely disagree. You know what I'm talking about, Simon. We're talking about killing. We're talking about pondering. We're talking about moral dilemma, Simon. That's what we're talking about. That's what people want from Woody. And Woody says, "Fuck you." <laughs> as always <laughs> anyway guys so if you go on tomorrow's IMDb the scores are again this is above average movie people like it the main complaint about this movie which I made before was that people just thought Colin Farrell and Ewan McGregor they didn't see them as brothers like really people said they should have been friends I think the movie could have worked if they were just best friends I don't think it really made a difference to be honest with you well except for the whole metaphor of you have to kill your own blood because the whole idea of the pack they make that blood comes first could have been fam- just as strong if they're best friends and they grew up together could have been just as strong i don't think i understand what you're saying but i don't think it would have made a massive difference sometimes even killing your best friend's hard and killing your brother that sounds weird but it's true and i'm a family man so i should know <laughs> 
You and your brother problems. It's like why do you as always one. make this shit real? It ain't got nothing to do with me. And yes, I, because you just said uh, sometimes killing your brother is not that hard. Like you could kill somebody else, like a stranger. That would be harder. You know, sometimes killing the postman is harder than killing your own brother. Sometimes killing your own brother has its positives. I'm you telling know? you, Shakespeare's, like, you Shakespeare's to- narrative is always about as easy to kill your family members. That's half of his fucking narrative, if you ask me. You know, you could talk shit because you're only child, motherfucker. So you keep talking that shit, okay? You better never have a son. Then you will be a family man. <laughs> and then we will see some motherfucking Shakespeare up in this bitch, all right? Yeah, we're a whole different tragedy right there. It's uh. I'm with the old, in with the new, right? Damn right. You'll get a knife in your back, asshole. Someone <laughs> will be taking your Xbox. All your, you, he'll take all your fucking precious, all your riches, all your Xbox, all your games. Now, that's a story we could write down. That's a story we could, that's a story Woody Allen should make into a book. Your life story. Your life story could be a Woody Allen movie. He already made that. It's called Deconstructing Harry. <laughs> he did. <laughs> all right, guys. Let's wrap this one up, guys. Thanks for listening, guys. If you are a fan of what we're doing here, do not forget we've got the Woody Allen retrospective. You, you can find a link of in the YouTube card, top right corner, or in the link down below. Simon Rad, as usual, I want to thank you for being the arsehole that you always are. I wouldn't change you for nothing. Not like you could, motherfucker. Guys, give us a like on the video, thumbs up, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already, and we will see you on the next recording. <laughs>